Um, I don't know about you guys, but during those first two songs, I realized how much I missed hearing Richie playing the drums with the music. <laughs> we all need a little beat in our lives. We all need a little beat in our lives. Um, join me this morning as we start out in prayer. Father God, we come to you this morning, Lord. We come to you with, with um, humble hearts, Lord. And we come to you seeking your guidance and your instruction through your word that you provided for us. God, the enemy thinks he's so tricky and sneaky. And he'll try so many things to grab our attention during our time together and so many distractions and, and anxieties and things to pull us away from your word. Jesus, I cast out that in your name, and I just ask that all of those things be pushed to the side. All of those things will be discarded as nothing as they are, and we can focus on you and your love and your word. Jesus, we love you, and we praise your precious and holy name. And all the people said, amen. amen. All right, this morning we're going to st start out a little bit by talking about identity. It's a word that we all know and we're all familiar with, and the dictionary defines identity as who you are, the way you think about yourself, the way you're viewed by the world, and the characteristics that define you. It becomes a part of who we are. Our identity is not only what others see, but it's how we see ourselves, and our identity is a big part of everything we do and everything we say and just how we carry ourselves. Everything has an identity, not just us as people, but places, animals, different things. Everything has an identity. And when we look at people and the identity they have, like me, I'm very outgoing. Like I'll go and I'll strike up a conversation with anybody, you know, and I will talk to random people and I will do random things. And that's just part of who I am. Another part of my identity and the thing that makes up me is I really love sports. Um, a lot of you guys know talking to me, I, I love to play disc golf, I love to play ball golf. Not only do I love to play sports, but I love to watch sports as well. Um, constantly cheering on the Eagles and the Warriors and other sports teams I love. You'll see me and Karma wearing matching shirts from time to time. Like, that's one of the things that I love. And um, the other thing that kind of makes up my uh, um, identity is one of the things that really drives me is I, I love to cheer for the underdog. It's easy to get behind somebody that has everything working in their favor and you can see that they're su going to su succeed in life. But me, I, I kind of like to get behind the person that looks like they got the deck stacked against them. The odds aren't working out in their favor. Um, things are going to be tough for them. And, you know, I kind of like to cheer on the underdog. And then we take a look at Nick. Uh, if you take a look at Nick, um, he's a real go-getter. Like, when we meet together and we have something that comes up and an idea that sparks and something we're talking about, Nick is, like, right there ready, the first one to, like, say, all right, so how do we put this thought into action and how do we go after this? Nick's a real go-getter. One of the other things that makes up some of Nick's identity is music. He's told us multiple times how he loves to listen to music. We see how he loves to draw others closer to God by playing and singing worship music. It's part of who he is. And, and another thing with Nick is his health, his fitness. 
Nick is. We've heard stories of him training for his MMA fight. We've heard him um, talk about being on different various diets, and I know that he goes to the gym regularly in the mornings earlier than I would ever get up and go with him, <laughs> but that's part of his identity, who he is. And then we take a look at Pastor Tony. Tony has a different identity as well. Tony's a little more reserved and on the shy side. You can strike up a conversation with him and there'll be so much great content and great words of encouragement coming through him, but sometimes you might have to strike up the conversation. He's a little more reserved than myself or Nick. One of the other things I know about Tony is he loves to work with his hands. If anything has a problem and isn't running right, isn't working the way it should, Tony can take that, diagnose that, dissect it, and he loves to work with his hands and figure these things out. The other thing I know is Tony has a heart of gold, and he will help anybody with some of the talents and things that God has blessed him with. And I know that because he's got me over there, and we've got greasy, and we've worked on my truck multiple times. He's helped me out so much. And so... That's some of the identities of the people you know around here. Some of the other things that I mentioned that have identity are places. Carbon County has the identity of being a small area, a small community. Carbon County also has the identity of being very rural. It's spread out between East Carb and um, Kenilworth, different areas here in Carbon County that are spread out and they're rural. It also has the identity of being a coal mining industry. You know, it's, it's what our county is based on and known for. It's one of the characteristics of, oh, that's the coal mining town, Carbon County. you got a lot of mines down there, right? I hear these statements when I tell people where I'm from. If we look at Emory County, our neighbors, they are also a small area. They have that same characteristic, but they have uh, some differing ones. Um, Emory County is a little more recreational known. If you think about Huntington Canyon and all the trails and hikes and lakes and things that are up in Huntington Canyon, then you go the other direction. you got the San Rafael Swell or the Wedge Overlook. Like It has some beautiful um, recreational areas. And it's also known as kind of a farmland. You go out there and you see um, horses and, and cattle and, and small farming uh, areas and people... Um, Cutting hay, it's something that you see a little more regularly over there. It's one of their characteristics. And then if you look at Salt Lake County, Salt Lake County, it's more of the um, metropolitan area for our state. It's the largest city. It's the largest area. One of its uh, identity characteristics is that it's, it's got a lot of people. And you guys know that. If you've ever been stuck in traffic up there or trying to go to a, a decent restaurant on a Friday night and they tell you you're like an hour and a half out, it's because there's so many people. One of the other things that I notice when I go up there and, and I define it is it's always growing. You can go into any area and you'll see a new subdivision being built or a new high-rise building, a new building, a new hotel here. It's constantly growing to hopefully accommodate all those people. But... Um, and then animals, too. I mentioned, you know, people, places, things. Animals have different characteristics. If you take Karma's favorite animal, the horse, it, it's, it's a big animal. It's a very large animal. It's very muscular and powerful, and it's, it's very majestic. If you've ever been out anywhere, I was in Wyoming, and I saw a herd of wild horses, it's beautiful. It's such a majestic sight to see that animal. Dogs, for example. Dogs are very smart. Dogs are trained to be seeing eye dogs for people that have lost their sight. 
They're trained to be officers of the law and search for drugs or, or stop bad guys in their tracks. They're, they're very smart animals. They're also very loving. If any of you guys own a dog and you've ever experienced this, you come home and you're in a good mood and they're right up in that good mood with you and they're wagging their tail and they're shaking and they're happy. But you come home and it wasn't such a great day. It was a bad day. You're sad. That dog kind of knows. It comes up, places its head on you, sharing your emotion. It's very loving. Um, they're also very loyal. They're very loyal companions. Loyal, loyal to the point where, where some dogs will risk their life for their owner. They're so loyal. And if you, I don't know, if you ever kind of question their loyalty, try and snatch karma out of my yard and kind of find out how loyal they are, you know? They love this little girl, and they're loyal to her, and they'll protect her. Um, cats. Cats have the identity of being, I don't know, they're kind of small, kind of creepy. <laughs> they're kind of pointless, really. They're kind of pointless, really. No, I, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Please, <laughs> please don't pull Nick or Tony to the side after service and complain about me. Hey, he was, Chris is talking about my cat up there. <laughs> call, don't, don't call PETA or nothing. Please, please don't do that. I, I'm only kidding. Kind of. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, you know, we, we all have our indi- individual identities. But on a whole, as a church, as Christians, even though we're all different, we all vary, our, our identity as Christians, we all have one thing in common. We all have a common thread in our identities as Christians. And that's Christ living inside of us. Our Christian identity or Christian selfhood is not defined, uh, defined in terms of who we are in and of ourselves. It's defined in terms of what God does to us and the relationship he creates with us and the destiny that he appoints for us. God made us who we are so we could make known who he is. Our identity in Christ is for the sake of making known who he is. And so even to... Um, branch out from that a little bit. So we, we started with ourselves, our own identities, and then we started with identities as Christians. But we also, as Gospel Community Church, we also have an identity. There are many different Christian churches here in our own area. And though we all um, are centered around preaching the Bible believing in Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection, as different branches and different parts of the body of Christ, we vary a little bit in those areas. At Gospel Community Church, we kind of looked at who we were, us and myself, Maria, Nick, Tony, Jess, all the leaders at the governing board, we had been pouring a lot of work in looking at who we are as a church, and we had taken that and we've turned that into our vision statement. It's who we are and what we do. And so you guys will be able to see that today. It's um, added to the front of the little bulletin that's handed out to you, and we'll also have it up here today on the screen. Our vision as Gospel Community Church is to live authentic lives, proclaiming the good news of Jesus and inviting Castle Country to belong to and expand the way. So today is our last day in the book of Acts, 
But we're going to kind of be venturing through the whole Bible, and we're going to be taking a look at our identity and who we are as a church and what that means for us as a church. Because there's going to be times when you're out in the community and you're out with people, and um, they say, oh, yeah, you, you go to Gospel Community Church, right? Who are you guys over there? What are you about? And now, hopefully after today, you'll be able to answer that and answer that with confidence by knowing who we are and what we do. Now, as you've been here through the last 30 weeks, as we've went through the book of Acts, you've seen a pattern. And, and the pattern has been the same kind of from the beginning of this book throughout now, that no matter how hard someone tries to stop the spread of the gospel, it seems to only accelerate it. And all this pressure that's being applied and all this pressure that's being put on is actually furthering the growth. So today, um, we're going to be taking a look in the book of Acts, and, but we're not going to be camped out there. We're going to be going through other books of the Bible as well. But what I want to do is I want to break down our vision statement, and I want to not only look at how the book of Acts points to these things of who we are and what we do, but throughout the whole Bible. So we're going to start out by just breaking down the first four words. And this is something I love about Tony's personality. It's one of the things that like, he pointed out in our meeting the other day. He's like, let's take a look at it little by little. So Tony, you were kind of the motivation for, for how I went about this. Thank you. So we look at the first four words. To live authentic lives. So we start out the first two, to live. When are we living? Well, like any time we're not dead, right? So, so all the time. If, if you're breathing and you got air in your lungs, we're living. So that's kind of saying all the time. So what are we doing all the time? We're living authentic lives. Authentic is defined as not false or copied, but genuine, real, and my favorite definition is representing one's true nature and beliefs. So that means we're always the same. We're always the same to anyone and everyone wherever we're at in life. Whatever we do, wherever we're going, we're always the same. Another word that I thought of for, that came to mind when thinking living an authentic life is hospitable. And as we were traveling back from Vegas the other day, Marie and I were listening to a podcast, and I'm listening to Matt Chandler, and he starts talking about hospitality. And he talks about hospitality in our day and age has kind of lost its true meaning and true definition. Hospitality, it's not an act that we do. It should be a characteristic of who we are. Whether you come across someone that you have different views on, politically, religion, whatever it is, you come across a person and you have different views, it doesn't put you in a place to not be hospitable. Hospitality over time has turned, in from being, has turned from being a characteristic of who we are as a person to like a one-time act. Oh, that guy was very hospitable. He held the door open for me. Cooking somebody dinner has become a form of hospitality. I'm sorry to inform you, church, that if your wife has been urging you to invite the neighbors over for dinner and you finally invite them over because you're sick of fighting the battle and you're like, all right, I'm going to pick my battles and this isn't one. I'm going to invite the neighbors over for dinner. That's not hospitality. That's an act of doing something that you felt. That's extortion, really. 
We're going to start off by taking a look at Matthew chapter 25. And in this scripture, Jesus is going to kind of show us the importance of being hospitable at all times. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you the foundation, from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer to him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will answer to them, Truly I say to you, as you, did it to the, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. He's showing us the importance of being hospitable. As you did it for the one of the least of my brothers, you did it for me. That hospitality is something that someday we're going to have to stand before and answer to. The next part, if we go back to our vision statement that I want to look at. So we are to live authentic lives. We're going we're gonna to be hospitable all the time. And then we're moving on to proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Proclaiming the good news that someone was so hospitable to proclaim to us. There was some point in our lives, there was some interaction where we crossed the path with someone and they shared this great truth with us. It's something that we shouldn't keep to ourselves, but we should share with others. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the great commission. I've spoken on it before. This is the great commission uh, Jesus is giving the disciples. He's saying, look, go out into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey my ways in everything I have commanded you. So there's a lot of instruction in this verse, and, and it shows us here, we're to go out into all nations, we're to go out into our community, we're to go out into our workplaces, we're to go out and share the good news, to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And I know at times it can be a bit intimidating or a bit scary, but he tells us, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We're not going out into this mission with ourselves. He sent a helper. He sent the Holy Spirit to help us and to go out with us. But going out and sharing the gospel is one thing. And there's one little thing that has to happen in order to do that. Does anybody know what that is? Boom! Look, where's youth group moment. <laughs> you have to know the gospel in order to go out and share it. And why do you have to go know the gospel? Because you're going to go out at a time and you're going to be sharing the gospel with someone and they're going to say, well, why? Why do you believe that? Where does it say that? What in scripture points you to that? And, and we're warned of this and we're shown this if we look at 1 Peter 3.15. It says, but in your hearts, 
honor Christ as the Lord as holy. And always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. We get that warning right there that there's going to be time and we need to be prepared to share an answer or be prepared to have an answer. I think the most important part of that verse though, because we're people of the fall, we're broken, we're flawed, we're sinners. I think the most important part of that is the last sentence. But do this in gentleness and respect. There's times where we can go out and our puffed up egos and our personalities start to be inflated and get in the way and we can come across, surprise, surprise, it might surprise you guys, but we can come across a little overbearing. We can come across as condemning or rude. But it shows right there. Do it with gentleness and respect. The next part of the vision statement I want us to go back and look at is Inviting Castle Country to belong to. That first, that word right there, inviting. Inviting Castle Country to belong to the way. Christ is not some secret club or some genie in a bottle that we got to keep out of the limelight. We got to keep away from everyone's eyes and we got to hog to ourselves. Christ is something that we never deserved. I know myself. I know some of you guys. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. It was a gift of grace that we were freely given. And we should share that. We should want to invite others into that relationship because we know where we were at before receiving Christ's love and we know how his love can help us through our days now. We're going to have struggles. Things are going to be rough. But we have someone to lean on. We have a Savior to lean into. And we should want to invite others into that. Um, one of the things that kind of triggered me and got me thinking about this a little bit was um, as I was working on some of my notes yesterday, a, a, a thought came to me. And over the week, Maria and Carmen and I, we had went to Las Vegas, and on Wednesday night, we went and saw Hillsong United, and it was great. During the show, um, one of the gentlemen, one of the singers came up, and he told a story, and he told a story about a, a group called Compassion, and what they do is they sponsor children in third world countries and children that are, um, have nothing and they have no means to survive, and what you can do is you can sign up through them and you can sponsor this child, and through um, you know, your small contributions each and every month, this child is provided with things that they wouldn't normally have. And the cool part of the story was they had been sponsoring this young girl in Africa for a long time as a family, and um, his daughter during that time had created a friendship and a bond with this girl. Um, when they found out who the girl was that they were sponsoring and got her information, his oldest daughter wrote her a letter, and the girl wrote back. And they became friends through this pen pal relationship of writing back and forth. And so he thought what an impactful thing and a cool thing it would be for his daughter to experience. So he told his, da his daughter, he's like, hey, we're going to visit someone special. Do you know who it is? And he held up a picture of the little girl they'd been sponsoring. And his girl was so excited. And they took this trip and they went out to Africa and they went to her area. 
They went into her village. They went into her home. And this thing that they had been doing, this sponsorship that they had been a part of, all of a sudden was 100% reality. It's one thing to, to think and know what somebody's going through, but to step out of our box and into theirs, it changes things. And they were going through her home, and she was, she was giving them a tour, and she was showing them uh, where they lived. And they asked her, um, I can't remember her name, but they asked her, how many people live in your little home here with you? And she responded, 14 people. So there's 14 people living in their house. And they asked her, they're all, where do you sleep? And she pointed at a spot over on the dirt. And as they were going through, they continued their tour and, and they uh, hung out and they spent their quality time with her and they, they forged this relationship even deeper. And then later when they were going home and they were on the plane, he asked his daughter, he was like, when we were going through their house, did you notice her bathroom, her shower, her toilet? And the little girl was like, no, I, I didn't notice it. And, and her dad was like, because there wasn't one. And he, he proceeded to talk about, if you think about the things that we have that we take for granted, he said, most of you probably got up in the morning that day and used the toilet and didn't stand up and say, man, I'm so grateful for this toilet. <laughs> because it's just a luxury that we have. It's a luxury that we take for granted because it's something that, that we don't have to go without. And I feel like there can be times in our lives when it, it can become like that with Christ. We're going through our struggles, we're going through our problems, we're facing everything, and we have Christ, and we go to Him in prayer, we go to Him in confession, we come and gather as believers, but we leave out into the world, and there are people that don't have Him. There are people that don't have Christ in their lives, and it's something that we've become so used to having, someone that we've become so used to having that we take it for granted. Our vision as a church is to be inviting Castle Country to belong to. And like Nick pointed out at our meeting the other day, everything that we do, like it starts with family. Us as our separate families, it starts in our homes, raising up our children, and then it goes out from there. And the same thing with our church, you know? I have, there's my family, and your family, and your family, and your family, and your family. But when we come here together and we come to church, we become one family. We become a body of Christ, and you guys are my brothers and sisters. Your little rugrats are my nieces and nephews. My little rugrat is your niece. Like, we become one with each other. And the next step from that is we step outside of here, and our next immediate area, starting at home, is Castle Country. It's our communities, our towns, and we're to be out inviting Castle Country. And the next key word I want to look at for a minute is to belong just inviting somebody into something is one thing but when so, when you actually belong to something it takes on a totally different look a totally different feel we're going to take a look at what it looks like to belong to something why did my notes seem backwards oh we're going to look at what it looks like Paul inviting somebody first. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 28. That's the last chapter of Acts. And that's, you know, we've been traveling through the book of Acts. And we're going to see 
Starting in verse 17, Paul, he's in Rome. They've been through uh, some crazy storms, and he's told them, and he, he, he's assured the people, look, we're going to make it to Rome, or we're going to make it without any loss of life. And that happens, and they run aground. And now, picking up in 17, he says, After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hand of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews had objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Though I had no charge to bring against my nation, for this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and to speak to you since it is because the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And he said to them, and they said to him, we have received no letters from Judea about you. None of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken evil about you, but we desire to hear from you what your views are for with regard to this sect. We know that everywhere is being spoken against. And through all of that and through everything that he's been going through and everything leading up to this point, he goes right back to inviting people to Christ. In verse 23, it says, When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them. He invited them, testifying to them the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, and some we're in disbelief. We know Paul has been through so many struggles and so many imprisonments and arrests and s traveled to so many different places on his missionary journeys. And the one thing we see each time he gets to a different area or to a different prison, he's still inviting people to belong to Jesus. He's going into the synagogues. He's, t he's telling the centurion guards. He's constantly inviting people in. And like I said, it looks a little different once you belong to Jesus or belong to the way. We're going to see what it looks like to belong in Acts chapter 4. Acts 4, starting in 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon all of them. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the uh, apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite and native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Belonging has taken on that family aspect that I was talking about. There was nobody in need. And we do that first in our homes. We care for each other in our homes. We do that as a family of church. We take care of each other. If somebody is going through a tough time, we're there in prayer. We're preparing meals. We're coming alongside to help people move different things that our family needs. And church, we want our family to continue growing out of our homes, out of this building, into our neighborhoods. 
And we do that by, like I said, living authentic lives, proclaiming the good news, and inviting people to belong to and expand the way. Our church vision statement ends with and expand the way. Expanding the way, ultimately, that comes down to two things that we can never control. That comes down to the hearts of the people in our community and the timing of God. But we don't let that detour us. We don't let that stop us from inviting people in. It's in our identity. It's who we are. I promise you guys that by living authentic lives and proclaiming the good news of Jesus and inviting people in, with the persistence that Paul had and the persistence of the people we've seen through the book of Acts, I can promise you one thing. The gospel will continue to spread. People will continue to give their lives to Christ. No matter what the roadblocks are, no matter what they're facing, He is the ultimate power. People will shower themselves in His grace and people will gather and praise His name. How do I know this? How do I know this? Because we've seen throughout the entire book of Acts that people have tried over and over and over again to stop the spread of the gospel. And yet, here we are. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful for your grace and your love and your mercy. Lord, help us to have the courage and the heart to to be authentic in our lives and to invite those around us into your love. Give us compassion. Compassion to see everybody in our towns and our neighborhoods as children of Christ. Continue to, to shape our hearts, to be more and more like you, that we would love you and we would love others and love everyone around us. We didn't deserve your love. We never could have earned your love. And that's why we are so grateful to have your love. Jesus, it's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.